Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Alabama will have a new offensive coordinator when they put the ball down and play here in early September, late August. They're keeping it very close to the vest in terms of this search right now. They're not letting you know exactly who they're going after. There's a ton of names out there, which are purely speculation. Bottom line, nobody really knows anything right now. A couple face cards up the sleeve for Nick Saban, you would imagine. I'm going to give you my thoughts. Heck, we're going to call our shot. I'm going to tell you who I think is going to be Alabama's next head coach. Excuse me. Alabama's next offensive coordinator as Nick Saban, the current head coach for Alabama, will likely hire an all-star as he tends to do. The next step, what teams in college football are poised for the next step in their maturation process? For me, I think that next step can be distilled down to one phrase, playoff football. There's a couple of teams that I think are on the doorstep, and we've seen that there's a lot of variance from year to year Cincinnati the year before TCU this past year like there's always some sort of party crasher but what team is set up to be that party crasher who could be the dark horse that finds their way into the college football playoff like I said a couple of teams that I believe are flirting with contention gonna give you my pick on that though gonna give you a couple of teams that I think are right there also the Jaden Rashaga saga continues to wear on he is in search of his next school and we wish the best for Jaden Rashada on this program. I'm going to tell you where I think he should go next. Going to talk about the schools that are currently in the mix for his services. He's a special player now. Four-star player, great frame, a lot of tools. We'll talk about that in a second. But to give you my, like I said, feel and preference for where he will end up. Lastly, the transfer portal, it's closed now. So if you're in the portal, you can commit. But if you're not yet in the portal, got to wait till after spring practice. There will be a second portal window that opens up. Talk to some coaches, talk to some people that are in the know, and just want to give you a good sense of what we can expect from that second portal wave. It's going to look different than the first. It's not going to be just all-out portal combat, but there will definitely still be some key pieces that are in high demand as demand starts to increase going forward. Like I said, a ton to unpack. We're so glad that you're locked in with us. Subscribe if you haven't already. Like the video if you haven't already. If you're listening via podcast, you're on Spotify, you're on Apple, because that does keep the doctor away, or so I'm told, a podcast today via Apple. We're so glad you're locked in. No time to waste. Let's get after it. Alabama is now in search of a new offensive coordinator. Bill O'Brien has taken his talents to New England, back to the NFL. I've tweeted it out. We've gotten mixed reviews on it, but Alabama continues to be the pipeline for players and coaches getting to the NFL. Some of that's tongue-in-cheek. Some of that's kind of true, but the bottom line, Bill O'Brien going to the NFL, and the good folks in Tuscaloosa are excited about getting a new individual to call the plays there. And I want to be very, very clear on this. From what I was told, Alabama did not nudge Bill O'Brien out. It wasn't this thing of, hey, Bill, we're getting some some kickback from the fan base. People aren't happy with us. We're not happy internally. We didn't reach our standard. We got to go another direction. To my understanding, this was always the plan. Bill O'Brien has a short stay in Tuscaloosa, gets back to where his heart is at in the NFL. Now, for Alabama fans, this is a win-win, or as Michael Scott would say, a win-win-win in the sense that you now will have a new individual calling plays and Nick Saban will revamp the offense a little bit. And we'll tell you more about what they're looking at in terms of what that could look like, the the different approach as to what you saw from the previous year. And Bill O'Brien gets to go to the NFL. Three wins. So as for who could be the next offensive coordinator in Tuscaloosa, here's what we're hearing. Or rather, here's what we're not hearing. Because so far... Everybody close to that program is telling us, hey, Bama's being real quiet about this thing. Nick Saban, as he typically does, probably has some face cards up his sleeve, probably an ace in the hole, but he's not telling you. And so it's very, very hush-hush right now, but going forward, we know a couple of things in terms of themes to track with this offensive coordinator search. 
The first is they would like to acquire somebody who's also going to serve as a quarterback coach. One, because whoever steps in is going to oversee a new starter, whether it's Jalen Milrow, whether it's Eli Holstein, Dylan Lonergan. I mean, Ty Simpson. I think I'm already said, I might have already said Ty Simpson. Ty Simpson. You got a new starter at quarterback. You want someone to help oversee their maturation. The second piece of that, which is probably more glaring, and I would imagine more of the catalyst behind this desire, Bill O'Brien was the quarterback coach for you in addition to being the OC. So he left that role as the QB coach vacant. The second theme is they would like to have a more balanced approach offensively. Alabama last year threw the ball right around 35 times a game. People close to that program said they want to get back to being classic Alabama. And you know what I mean by that. The Alabama where they can just set the tone and assert their will on you by their physicality. When they choose to run the football, they will run the football with a lot of success. Not that Jameer Gibbs wasn't successful, but they would like to have a little bit more of an edge to them offensively if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Then off of that, they can beat you through the air. They can be explosive. They can have some play action. That is what they would like to have more of going forward. So for Alabama, that's the wish list, QB coach in addition to OC and more of an edge offensively. But right now, nobody is really letting anything out of the camp in Tuscaloosa. If you're not yet subscribed, we got you covered. All things college football, 365 days a year, we cover this beautiful sport, and we appreciate you allowing us to do so. Come join this community if you have not already. Also, follow me on the social channels, at J.D. Pakel on Twitter and on Instagram. Stay wide open, like Isaiah Bond will be, I believe, in the coming year, in 2023, whoever's the OC. Couple of names being thrown out. And again, this is all speculation. I don't believe any of this is really coming from Alabama, or at least not to my understanding. But the name that comes up the most after talking to people that cover that program, Jeff Levy, offensive coordinator for Oklahoma. Now, people in Oklahoma circles would tell you, not true. Not true. He's just doing this. This is just out there for leverage with Oklahoma. Maybe so. But the Jeff Levy solution on paper, to me, makes a lot of sense. Think about when Nick Saban switched philosophies, and you know what I mean by that. When he decided to adapt to the game and the way it was headed with spread offenses and tempo and vertical passing game, it was after they lost to Texas A&M and Johnny Menzel. Then they hired Lane Kiffin. The game now is trending a little bit more towards spacing and still with tempo and running a lot of plays and being able to attack vertically, they still, but, but still at the same time having that edge running the football. Jeff Levy, when he still has that explosive passing element, he still is a run-first kind of offensive coordinator. And I think when you saw A&M kind of be the catalyst to him hiring Lane Kiffin, the game against Tennessee this year for Alabama could be the catalyst to why you would hire someone like Jeff Levy. Pete Thamel said it on the Paul Feinbaum show. I think Saban saw what Josh Heupel's kind of style of offense can do. Jeff Levy would be a similar vein of that. Still running the football first, but having spacing and an explosive passing attack off of that. Another name that gets thrown out there is Jeff Scott. And this to me just feels like a Saban-esque kind of hire. I don't know how much smoke is really around Jeff Scott in Alabama. He just actually got hired back to Clemson as an analyst, an offensive analyst. Uh, but he was formerly an offensive coordinator at Clemson, had a, a good deal of success there at Clemson, and then went to USF, was a head coach, and just kind of struck out as a head coach. How many times have you and I seen together with our own eyeballs that work just fine? Nick Saban, see a coach, great track record as a coordinator, Great track record as a coach in general, then goes to be a head coach somewhere, and it just doesn't work the first time around. Picks them up, dusts them off. They come to Alabama, absolutely crush it, get rehabilitated back into college football society, and go on to do great things. That's one of the reasons why this job is going to be so highly coveted. You can have a lot of different coaches come into this position and have success because there's a ton of talent and you're coached under the greatest of all time. So you develop as a coach and also you have some of the best ingredients in the college football world at your fingertips to succeed. Not a bad deal. Not a bad deal by any stretch of the imagination. So Jeff Scott, like I said, just kind of feels like a Saban-esque kind of hire Dan Mullen. That name's going to get thrown out a lot. Currently, 
I think doing a pretty good job on TV, to be honest with you, and has grown a lot. And that that's a name that I would imagine just from an optics perspective is fun to throw out there. I don't know if that would work. I'm going to go ahead and lean away from that just because of the demands that come with recruiting at Alabama and the knock on Dan Mullen has been, hey, recruiting isn't necessarily something that he has historically prioritized a ton. Ask the good folks in Gainesville. So Dan Mullen, to me, I'm not buying, but it's a name that will end up on a lot of hot boards. For me, though, I'm, I'm not thinking the Dan Mullen thing will have a whole lot of smoke. Here's the other internal feel with people that cover Alabama. A couple of people have told me Nick Saban and Alabama may go back to the NFL to get their man. And think about it, the last two hires, both Steve Sarkeesian from the NFL to the Bama OC to Bill O'Brien, NFL to Bama OC, that's been the recent track record. They think there's a good possibility that they'll do that. So someone to keep an eye on the Eagles quarterback coach, Brian Johnson, currently doing a phenomenal job in Philadelphia. Remember how people were talking about Jalen Hurts coming out of the draft? Uh, he's a project quarterback, a lot of tools, great story. Really had a good year at Oklahoma after he transferred from Alabama. Like, we root for the guy, but he's a project quarterback, gimmicky. That, that, that was the verbiage around him. Now, I don't know if y'all noticed, but the Eagles are about to go play for an NFC title. And I think Brian Johnson deserves a lot of credit for that with the way that he has helped develop Jalen Hurts. And don't get it twisted, Jalen Hurts has put in a ton to be successful, but the working relationship between QB coach and quarterback I think is worth mentioning. So that one can make a lot of sense. Cliff Kingsbury, to me, is sort of the other fun name that gets thrown out there with Dan Mullen being, you know, the TV guy and Cliff Kingsbury being a flashy name, former NFL head coach, has had success at the college level himself. Listen, I'll just be real with y'all. I don't know anything, but I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is in any rush to get back to football. Maybe for the right job, but going from Thailand just kicking it with your buyout and coming back and being under the thumb of Nick Saban. Those are, those are two different worlds we're living in here. Now, far be it for me to say he won't do it, but I'm going to go ahead and place my money that Cliff Kingsbury is not going to be the next offensive coordinator at Alabama. That's where my money goes. I've lost many a bet before. That's where my money rides right now. So I'm going to go ahead and call my shot here. Like I said, everyone's speculating. Everyone's throwing out you know, names that could be or might be or would be. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you who I think it's going to be. I believe that, I'm going to guess rather, that Joe Brady, current quarterbacks coach for the Buffalo Bills, drawing interest from the New York Jets and former passing game coordinator for LSU, will be the next offensive coordinator at Alabama. Here's why. Fits the QB pedigree. Worked with Burrow. Burrow won the Heisman under him. Got credited for a lot of his success, did Joe Brady. Currently, working with one of the best quarterbacks in all the land, in Josh Allen. That quarterback pedigree that he could help Jalen Milrow, help Ty Simpson, help Eli Holstein, Dylan Lonergan, help any of those guys develop and say, I've seen the best, the best there is at college and professional levels, I can help y'all. To the same token, innovative. What he'd helped do with that LSU passing game, granted, he had some of the best receivers in college football history, but what he did with that team and that offense, heck, they hung up a few points in Alabama now. They, they, they put up some numbers that day. I would be hard-pressed to imagine that Nick Saban just forgot about that. So, yeah, it's a guess. That's all it is is a guess. Like I said, I don't know anything, but Joe Brady, to me, if it's the NFL track record, offensive innovation, desire it sounds like quarterback pedigree like I think that would be a great fit for Alabama but regardless Alabama will have their pick of the litter the feel also is that Nick Saban is not worried about this the defensive coordinator is where his focus is it sounds like right now that really has his attention that search has been going on longer but that's I mean the defense is his baby secondary is his baby like that's where his attention lies he understands a lot of coaches will want this job. Alabama does not need to gamble on anybody. They can be as specific as they'd like to be. They have access to a lot of people that still have good jobs right now. They can, they can get somebody very proven to be the next OC. But again, Joe Brady is my pick. If we're right, great. If not, give you a bunch of other names. 
And Nick Saban is going to get whoever is best for him and his football program to get back to the top of the college football landscape. Excited to see it. I'm telling you, man, if Nick Saban is calling your phone, if Nick Saban hits you up and says, you want to come call plays for me, you're telling me you're just sending him to voicemail? I don't think so. If Nick Saban calls you, I don't care what job you have, nine times out of ten, you're answering that thing. And the other one time that you're not is because you're in the middle of something like church, wedding, funeral, something where you can't answer. All right? So you're answering Nick Saban is the bottom line there. Rolling right along. I think it's time we talk about some programs here that are set to take the next step in the college football landscape. Every single year, we see some team make some noise late November to championship weekend. Really what you have to do in the four-team playoff, historically, if you win your conference, scratch that. If you have one loss at the end of the regular season, at the end of conference championship weekend, you have a pretty good chance to make the college football playoff. Some years are easier than others, but what are some teams that could be the, the TCU that we saw this year or teams like Cincinnati that we saw the year before? Who could be that team that is set to, make, to, to, to take the next step? Got a couple of them for you. Going to throw them at you. The college football playoff championship odds came out. Teams that are you know, potentially going to win the national championship. We got odds from BetMGM that are out right now. Going to throw them at you. I got a list of teams here. Like I said, we waste no time. Tennessee is currently at plus 3,000 odds, and I think they are very poised to take the next step. They were in year two last year under Josh Heupel, 11 wins. Orange Bowl champs. Now, Hendon Hooker, he goes to the NFL. I think for Tennessee to take the next step, there's a couple of things that I'm looking at here. One, Joe Milton, right? Like, Joe Milton has to be a version of what we saw in the Orange Bowl. If Joe Milton can be Orange Bowl Joe, and be consistent with his decision-making and be accurate and prove that's who he is now, and the defense can get 5% better. Notice, I, I didn't say the defense has to be just the number one defense in the country and they have to be locked down on the back end. If they can get 5% better and be a little bit more short up on the back end, because they allowed 287 yards a game passing last year. That's not great. They can get a little bit better and allow this offense some time to grow. I feel pretty good about their chances. Now, the big next step, the, the big games that you watch are Georgia and Alabama. If you can split those, I feel pretty good about your chances. Because a one-loss Tennessee, and if that one loss is to Georgia or Alabama, it's not a bad loss to have. As, as the verbiage goes, and we hate saying this, but a good loss. Those are I mean, what's up for one of the best losses in the country. And if that had been the case this year, that would have been enough. Now, you would like to still win the SEC. You'd love to go undefeated. But to me, I think that's the path for you. Joe Milton, be consistent. Defense improve just a little bit, especially in the secondary. Split Georgia-Alabama. That, to me, would qualify them for the next step and put them very squarely in the college football playoff conversation. If you're not yet subscribed, we would love to have you at the party. This is a college football community that y'all have allowed us to cultivate here. We got, the, we got the mic, we got the camera, we got the studio and Nick Brake lifting heavy, but this is something that y'all have built, that we have built together. We're very grateful for it. So if you haven't yet joined the party, we'd love to have you. Also, follow me on the socials at J.D. Pickell on Twitter and on Instagram. Another team that I believe is very much so poised to take the next step. How about the Florida State Seminoles? Plus 2,500 odds right now to win the national championship. Went 10-3 and last season. To me, the, the thing that has to happen for them is they need to win the ACC and beat Clemson. Now, that is very much so easier said than done, but if we're charting the course, I think that would give me some more encouragement around them making the college football playoff because to be the best, you got to beat the best. You got to slay the dragon if you want to claim the castle. And, and, and how they would do that to me is Jordan Travis taking the next step. Because Jordan Travis coming into this year, I will be the first to say it, I was not a believer. I wasn't out on him, but I was not yet a believer. And you heard all these murmurs around he's had a great spring, he had a great fall, man, he's taken enormous strides. To be fair, everybody says that about their quarterback during those periods of the year. Just turned out that Jordan Travis really did take those next steps. And so for me, 
if he could continue that progression and continue that trend upward and take even another step forward, be even more efficient with the football, be even more explosive as an offense, I think that would be one of the key things that has to happen. Because last year, Florida State scored right around 35 points a game. That's really good. You look at some of these offenses that are competing in the college football playoff, your Michigans, your Georgias, uh, your Ohio States, those teams are all scoring right around 40. And so for Florida State, if they can score 38 to 40 points a game, that to me is the magic number. Now, the other piece of this, obviously, on the defensive side, I need them to be a little bit better in the trenches. Last year, they averaged on the ground, giving up around 162 yards a game. Talking about the playoff teams, the Georgias, Ohio State outside of Michigan, the Michigans, they were good in the trenches. They're tough in the trenches. Also, they have some depth in the trenches. So for Florida State, they're doing a lot in the portal right now. If they can stay healthy, I think they've got the makeup to be much better in the trenches. I don't think it's a personnel thing. I think it's a depth thing, which they're doing, like I said, in the portal. Jared Verse coming back for another year. That's huge. That, to me, is the other ingredient. Explosive offenses, tough defensive lines. Those are what get you pretty far. Doesn't do everything for you, but it gets you pretty far. I'll say this. I think their roster is in a place where they can win the ACC. Can they stay healthy? And can Jordan Travis take another step to propel them? Because like I said, winning the ACC with one loss, you beat Clemson. That would be, I think, a very realistic picture you could paint for Florida State. I'm not even asking you to go undefeated. Just beat Clemson. Just beat Clemson. Beat Clemson. Win the ACC. If you do it with a loss, great. If you're undefeated, even better. But I think that's a very, a very realistic path that you could chart for them. Another team we got to talk about, plus 3,000 odds. How about the Penn State Nittany Lions, Rose Bowl champs Nittany Lions? Now, Sean Clifford is, I believe, fresh out of eligibility. Like, Sean Clifford has worn out the eligibility and maxed it out, and he is a legend forever at State College. Him taking that bow at the Rose Bowl was one of the most beautiful, poetic college football moments we've ever seen, for me at least. However, for them now, they enter into the Drew Aller era. And I was talking to Charles Power, director of scouting and ranks for On3, one of the smartest football individuals you will ever talk to, charts all of these kids from the high school level all the way up until the draft, and he is very high on Penn State, as am I. And one of the things that I think was interesting that Charles said is they're in a year where a lot of their top talent will cycle up. Now, what does he mean by that? They have guys like Nick Singleton, Abdul Carter, Katron Allen, where they're all going to get a year further along in their development process. They get a whole nother offseason to work on the speed, to get more comfortable in the system, to get some more size on them. They're in a special place where they're going to get developed and now have a chance to translate onto the field. And it's marrying up perfectly where it's a lot of the roster cycling up at the right time. Sometimes you get one or two guys cycling up in terms of, like I just said, the maturation development happens for another year, but they're in a place where a lot of the top talent will cycle up together. I mean, Nick Singleton might be the, one of the best backs in the country. I think it all comes down to, in terms of how you feel about Penn State, I think it all comes down to, is Drew Aller as good as advertised? I think that's it, because on paper, you bring in a more talented quarterback. I did not say a better quarterback. But in terms of physical tools, in terms of just what God gave him, Drew Aller has a little bit more of that than what Sean Clifford had. Now, Sean Clifford was really effective because he made good decisions, was a great leader, was gritty as heck, and that experience paid off for him. Drew Aller doesn't have that experience just yet. But if he can fast-track that and get comfortable in this offense quickly, he's got all the tools to be really dangerous, to make this Penn State offense really dangerous. The The test for me for them is can you split Michigan and Ohio State if you split them that at least gives you a chance if you win both similar to what I said about Florida State beating Clem uh, beating Clemson and what I said about Tennessee beating Georgia or Bama if you could win those games I mean obviously going undefeated you got you know your shot at the gauntlet if you can split those though I don't think it's unrealistic to think you have a chance to find yourself in the college football playoff I mean look at Ohio State they lost to Michigan last game of the year, but that was their only loss, and it was a good loss. If Penn State finds themselves in the same situation where they have a loss to Ohio State, but they beat Michigan or vice versa, it's not a bad loss to tote. 
we are, I think, getting further and further from the days where we just see four undefeated teams end up in the college football playoff. I don't think that's really going to happen here anytime soon. So a one-loss Penn State to one of those teams winning the Big Ten title, which would be a nice cherry on top. I'm telling you, I think Penn State's an exciting team to watch. Keep an eye on the Nittany Lions. Notre Dame, they're actually at plus 2,000 odds. Should tell you what they think about Sam Hartman. That gives Notre Dame better odds than Penn State, gives them better odds than Florida State, gives them better odds than Tennessee. Vegas likes Notre Dame. Some of it might be the fact that they don't play a conference title game. In my mind, I think that would actually hurt you. But bottom line, the odds have, I believe, improved since they got Sam Hartman on campus. You won nine games last year, did the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and you did it mostly with a backup quarterback. Notre Dame last year was a team that fought one style, in my opinion, and that was just jujitsu. We're going to play you tough in the trenches. We are going to play stingy defense. We're going to run the football, and we're going to be physical. That's going to be our edge. We're not going to make it a track meet. We're not going to do this whole shootout team that has the, 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 you know, the ball next wins. That's not going to be how we do things. However, now they add Sam Hartman, and they develop that fighting style, I believe. Because, like I said, you won nine games with a backup quarterback. You add a guy who's the ACC all-time leader in passing touchdowns with 40-plus games of starting experience. You upgraded that the quarterback position, the most important position in the game of football. It gives me some optimism for them. Now, like I said, maybe Vegas likes that they don't play in a conference title game. To me, it makes me nervous. I feel like Notre Dame, if they have one loss, you feel a little bit more uneasy but if they go undefeated I don't know how they get denied now the schedule for them is hard their whole thing at Notre Dame is we choose hard I love that mantra I think that's great but for Notre Dame adding Sam Hartman to me very much so for the reasons I just mentioned makes them more dangerous because they can win different kinds of games Marcus Freeman in year one a little more pressure now in South Bend I think making the college football playoff is attainable will they do it we'll see but I think it's attainable Sam Hartman changes the entire face of that program. I got two Pac-12 teams here to end it for us. USC and Oregon. We'll start with Oregon here. Bo Nix is coming back. The offense should have what you need to win the Pac-12. Now, the offense is obviously only half your team, a third of the team if you talk about special teams that way. The secondary has to get better. Secondary has to get better. You gave up 270 yards through the air a game last year. Let's be real. That cost you the game against Washington. I need to see some improvement on the back end, whether they do it in the portal, whether they're playing guys that were, were backups last year and just are more talented. Dan Lenning is a defensive guy, so I think they're going to be able to, to fix that over the course of another offseason or at least shore that up a little bit, but that has to be the next step you take. Because the Pac-12, in my opinion, is very winnable. I know Utah's got that thing in a stranglehold for the last two years. I know Cam Rising's coming back. But the styles that they play, Oregon and USC, I think have a good shot to potentially claim the crown. I just believe in Dan Lanning. I believe in his way of doing things. I believe he's building an SEC team in Eugene with how physical they're going to be in the trenches, with how they're going to run the football. And you got the quarterback. That's the biggest thing. you got the quarterback right now. And that's, I think, the same song, second verse, I would sing for USC. you got the quarterback. I probably would sing that verse a little bit louder if I'm USC, and i got Caleb Williams. We got Caleb Williams for one more year in L.A. Caleb Williams would likely be the first overall pick in the draft this year. Now, he's got to go to school for another year and do class online or whatever he does for his version of school. Because, I mean, he's managing a lot right now with NIL and with practice. Like, I don't know how these guys have time for school. But Caleb Williams still has another year of school that he has to commit to. He would be the first pick in the NFL draft this year, is my understanding. You have one more year of him on campus. Let's not kid ourselves. If you don't get him a defense, if you don't get him something that can win you the Pac-12 championship on that side of the ball, I think you, you miss your window. Like, this is the window where USC, if they win the Pac-12, they make the college football playoff, they could propel themselves into a whole new tier when they move to the Big Ten here pretty soon. 
That, that would change the entire way that we view USC football in the modern era. So for Caleb Williams and USC, it's as simple as the defense. They didn't lose that game against Tulane because the offense didn't do enough. Offense scored over 40 points. You score over 40 points, you should, you should win a lot of football games. And they did last year. But they need to be able to hold something up on the defensive side of things. So for that reason, I'm keeping an eye on USC. As long as you got the best player in the country, you're going to be a team that's capable of taking the next step. So to recap it for you, Tennessee, they can split Georgia and Bama. I think you got a real good shot. Florida State, if you can win the ACC with one loss, I'd like to see you beat Clemson. Jordan Travis taking the next step is a big part of that. I think they have a very good shot to be one of those next step teams and make the college football playoff. Penn State, a lot of their top talent is cycling up. Nick Singleton, Abdul Carter, Katron Allen. You enter into the Drew Aller era. How quickly can he get it going? Can you split Ohio State and Michigan? If you can, you at least give yourself a chance to be in contention for a college football playoff spot. Notre Dame, they add Sam Hartman. I very much so believe they're one of the sneakiest teams in this whole conversation. And Vegas believes so as well, giving them plus 2,000 odds to win the national championship. For comparison, Penn State and Tennessee are both plus 3,000 odds right now. Then Oregon and USC, I would just love to see one of those teams from the best coast make some noise. You got both your quarterbacks, Bo Nix and Caleb Williams, for one more year. Can one of those teams get it done out west and get their team to the college football playoff? Especially USC. You got the best quarterback in the country. Nay, the best player in the country. Don't waste that because you didn't have a defense. So USC, I would imagine, will continue to be active in the portal. But those are the teams that I think are very much so sneaky and capable of taking that next step as we get closer and closer to games happening here in the not-too-distant future. I believe it's something like a little, little over 200 days away. It's going to sneak up on you fast. But those are the teams that I think can take the next step and make the college football playoff if they do the right things. And Tennessee is a team that we got to keep an eye on, folks, because Joe Milton, what he did in the Orange Bowl, Nick, I mean, he was, he was dealing I felt bad for the people in the, the nosebleeds in that stadium because Joe Milton was probably throwing oranges off the stage, out into the crowd. But Joe Milton, we've seen he can throw the orange like Uncle Rico that over that their mountains, probably hit people in the nosebleeds with the oranges. Like that was probably what was going on, I would have to imagine. Never mind that, though. That's my own feeling that. I'm excited to break that down as we get closer and closer to more games being played. Shout out to y'all on podcast, man. You're not listening live. That's okay. If you're on Apple or on your Spotify, we appreciate you. We love y'all. Hit us in the comment section with your questions so we can get to more of what you want to see pretty soon here. We're going to go to some questions we got on my Twitter page. Nick Breakkeeper, the Q, is going to join us. Should be a whole lot of fun. But that's another medium that I'd love to hear from y'all at on the podcast feed. Jaden Rashada is looking for his next stop. You all know the story. Jaden Rashada, at one point in time, was committed to Miami in June 26th when he committed to Miami. November 10th. He flips to Florida in sort of middle-of-the-night fashion. And big get for Florida. That won that battle over Miami, the in-state foe. And December 21st rolls around, and there is a little bit of a delay with his signing. Makes some people nervous. What's going on? What's happening? Ends up signing. Okay, sigh of relief. January 8th, he doesn't report with the mid-year enrollees. First day of class, first day of whatever, Jaden Rashada, Bueller, Bueller, nowhere to be found. In January 20th, just a couple of days ago, he is officially released from his national letter of intent by Florida. All of this, obviously, is surrounding the NIL conversation for Jaden Rashada. Multiple reports saying that he was promised a certain amount from the Gators, was not going to receive that. Hard to blame him. We had an agreement. Y'all didn't keep up your end. I'm going to look elsewhere. You've heard my thoughts on that. I don't want to dive too deeply into that. But this is something that we have entered into in the NIL era. You have high school seniors being offered large amounts of money for their services in the form of NIL packages. And this is something that we're trying to figure out now. It's, it's fairly new. So it looks bad on Florida. It's a tough go for Jaden Rashada. Like I said, I already have my thoughts on that. I'm not going to rehash it too much. 
But let's turn our sights to the future for young Jaden Rashad, a four-star quarterback, tons of talent, tons of tools. I mean, a four-star, like I just said, six-three and a half. He's a three-level passer, which essentially means he is accurate on the short, the intermediate, and the deep level of the field. He can make all the throws. He has a ton of tools. He can continue to develop, and Charles Power believes he can be a Power 5 starter if he gets the right, or he has the tools to be a Power 5 starter, rather, if he gets the right maturation process and development behind him. So who's in the mix for him right now? He's taking a couple of visits. Where are we visiting if we're Jaden Rashada? Just visited Arizona State. Has a relationship with Kenny Dillingham from when he was the offensive coordinator at Oregon. Now Kenny Dillingham obviously being the head coach at Arizona State. Jaden Rashada's dad played at Arizona State. So there's some familiarity there. I would imagine Jaden Rashada grew up with some sort of familiarity with Arizona State and Tempe and all that. So there's there's some there's something there. Kenny Dillingham also, like I said, an offensive coach could maybe cater to his abilities and help him grow as a quarterback. Likely sit behind Drew Pine this year would be my guess. But Arizona State took a visit. Sounds like it went really well. The report is also that he's set to visit TCU here in the very near future. There's a relationship there with offensive coordinator at TCU, Kendall Bryles, from when Jaden Rashada unofficially visited Arkansas. Per Chad Simmons, both sides reached out to each other pretty quickly when this whole thing went down with Florida. Washington is the other school that's being thrown around right now. They did not sign a quarterback in the 2022 or 2023 recruiting class. So they have Michael Penix Jr. And they haven't really been too consistent in trying to add another quarterback from the high school level in recent history. So the thought process could be there. Hey, sit behind Michael Penix Jr. for a year, get to develop on the West Coast, be with Kalen DeBoer, an offensive-minded coach. Great. That makes sense, too. There's also murmurs. And I say murmurs very, very loosely around Cal and Colorado. I don't think you ever count out Deion Sanders in anybody's recruitment, especially a high-profile one like Jaden Rashada. And Cal is also the school that is obviously in Northern California, and there's probably some familiarity there as well. So with all those schools on the table, with all those, well, those three are really the, the main ones, ASU, TCU, and Washington, with those three on the table and maybe Cal and Colorado kind of in the background, where is the best fit for Jaden Rashada? Well, I'll tell you really quickly, though, if you haven't subscribed, we'd love to have you all at the party. Y'all have allowed us to cultivate a college football community that I think is special and unlike a lot of others in our industry, because a lot of what we do here is based on y'all hitting me in the DMs. Y'all at me on Twitter, commenting on our YouTube videos and telling us what you want to see. So we do what y'all want to see. This is the people's program. So we appreciate y'all in advance for continuing to fuel that and welcome for those of you that are new. We're really glad to have you. If you have not yet, follow me on Instagram or on Twitter. Like I said, great mediums for us to have some interaction. At JD Paquel is where you can find me. Here's what I want for Jaden Rashada. Here's what I think would make the best fit for him. I'd like to see somewhere stable, quarterback friendly, and allow him to develop as a passer, develop the tools that he has. Because so often we see these talented quarterbacks go to the wrong situation, and it's not the kid's fault. Some of it is in terms of how much he's putting into it, but a lot of it is just went to the wrong place and he wasn't getting developed. I'd like to see Jaden Rashada go somewhere with an offensive-minded coach, like I already said, with ASU and Washington, TCU. Those all make sense to me. And I'd like to see him go somewhere that's stable from a culture standpoint. I'm not knocking ASU. ASU could have a great culture. First-year coach. I think for me, Washington is a little bit further along, obviously having one year under the belt already. Um, TCU, Sonny Dykes, they played for a national title last year. I like that a little bit more personally. And this to me is, is why TCU is the best fit in my mind. TCU is my pick for Jaden Rashad, and here's why. So much of college is a development personally. Yes, he's going to go somewhere and develop as a quarterback. That is obviously at the forefront of anyone's thought process, especially someone in Jaden Rashad's position as a four-star quarterback. But you develop so much personally and become your own person in college. And TCU, getting away from the West Coast, getting away from what's familiar, getting away from home, I think that could be something that serves him really, really well. Because think about what's going on right now for Jane Rashada. He hasn't asked for it, but he has been a headline. His recruitment has been a headline for the last couple of months. 
this kid has had so much pressure on him, and he hasn't even played a snap in college yet. I'd love to see him go somewhere like TCU with an offensive-minded coach like Sonny Dykes, a new offensive coordinator in Kendall Bryles, sit behind someone like Chandler Morris for a year, and just go to work. Get out of the spotlight and just go to work. Because my concern would be if he goes somewhere on the West Coast and he's around family and friends and kind of around his camp still, that's great. That might be what he needs. And far be it for me to say what Jaden Rashada needs, but I think there could be some benefit in the adversity that could come from getting away from what you know and having to figure out for yourself who you are internally. I'm sure there's a lot of that going on right now, but getting out of the spotlight, going to a place like Fort Worth, Texas, I like that for him. I would like that for him a lot. And the beautiful thing about this for Jaden Rashada is his entire story is in front of him. All this conversation around NIL and people saying the kid's selfish and people saying this and that, assuming different things about Jaden Rashada, we, I mean, you can erase all of that. You got people talking all day long. But when you step on the football field, you get to silence everybody. That's the beautiful part about it. None of this conversation is around can he or can't he spin it. The dude can spin it now. He wouldn't be a four-star quarterback if he couldn't. Charles Power wouldn't have all the good things to say about him. Again, director of scouting ranks for on three. He wouldn't have as high a praise for him if he couldn't. And all it takes for Jaden Rashada, one good year. One good year in this whole thing is... Maybe it's a footnote. Probably get asked about it when you go to the NFL draft. But we're talking about Jaden Rashada being a prolific passer, being a really solid college quarterback, being someone who led TCU to another college football playoff appearance, a Big 12 title, all those things. That's what Jaden Rashada has in front of him. None of this is about his play, which is ultimately what is at the forefront of why he's able to have the spotlight on him, why we're able to talk about the NIL deal that he was offered and agreed upon with Florida, because he's talented, because he's got a lot of ability. And so, like I said, getting out of the spotlight, going somewhere stable like TCU, where you have Coach Cause, one of the best sports strength coaches in the entire country, and also focuses really well on the things that are on the mental side of football. I just think that would benefit him a lot. I'm not saying he's not still good there. I'm not saying that he doesn't have it upstairs or that he doesn't have the tools that he needs extra development, but I'm saying you go to college to develop as a person, as a player. I think TCU has the stability in place to nurture that for him the best. So for that reason, I like TCU and I'm root for Jane Rashada. This is a difficult situation to be in as a 19 year old, a lot of it, no fault of his own, but for Jane Rashada, TCU to me makes the most sense for the reasons I already mentioned, but we will keep an eye on it as soon as we have something more concrete for you, where he is going to school, we'll talk about it. We'll break it down. And kid can play, man. Kid can play. And when he gets his shot to step between the white lines, I am very much looking forward to that, as I'm sure he is as well. Man, recruiting is, recruiting is wild. Like college football recruiting could have its own Netflix series. It should have its own Netflix series. It's not a Netflix series, but the next best thing is myself, Josh Newberg, Chad Simmons. We got you covered for National Signing Day coverage. We'll have a live show for you, breaking down some of the top guys that are uncommitted. Got Deuce Robinson, Nicholas Harbor, a lot of guys that are still out there that are left to give a signature to a program that they will eventually make very, very happy. What's Dion going to do on National Signing Day? I promise you he's going to make some noise. Don't know what it's going to look like, but I promise you he's going to make some sort of noise when pen meets paper for a lot of these guys on National Signing Day. But make sure you're locked in here with us. We're going to have a live show for you, tons of coverage with the Simmons scoop, Chad Simmons, the authority source on all things college football recruiting, as well as the best in the game, national recruiting analyst Josh Newberg. So it'll be a lot of fun. Make sure you're locked in. Going to unpack that one for you as we get closer and closer to National Signing Day. The second transfer portal wave is going to hit here pretty soon. May 1st through 15th is the next opportunity for players to jump into the transfer portal. Now, if players are currently in the transfer portal, they can commit whenever. Green light, shoot or shoot from beyond the arc. Wherever you want to pull up from, you can commit right now. However, with that being said, there is going to be some players of elite caliber that decide after spring practice, they want to look elsewhere to take their talents. So I got on the phone, talked to some college coaches that I trust and just picked their brain because this is still pretty new. 
right? Like we're, we're not too far into this whole portal era, much less the window of portaling era. And I just asked him, what, what's going to happen here? Like, what is this going to look like? We saw the first window just be anarchy, portal combat, everybody and their mother jumping in the portal, going somewhere else. It was like NBA free agency times 50. What can we expect from the next wave that's going to hit here? And now, now it's shorter. The next wave that's going to hit here pretty soon is a shorter window, right around two weeks. I mean, it is two weeks, actually, exactly. And the first thing that I was told was there's going to be less volume. So you were watching the ticker, and it was this person's in the portal, that person's in the portal. Their college roommate's in the portal. Your college roommate's in the portal. There's going to be less volume because everyone who was going to transfer the majority of people that were going to transfer, rather, based on what happened during the season, have already done that. If you transfer now, it's likely based on a couple of things happening in the winter and spring. It could be you're meshing with a new staff. You thought it was going to be a fit. Turns out you don't love your position coach. You don't love the way the new program is heading. You don't see yourself playing. Maybe the reps come out in the spring, and it's like, hey, man, I was a starter for the last staff. I was a starter last year. We got this stud freshman that came in. He's taking reps with the ones. I'm not a fortune teller, but I can see the writing on the wall. I want to go somewhere else where I can play. Now, the other thing that I would make sure we say is it's going to be a seller's market. It's going to be a much more lower supply, so demand goes through the roof. More on that in just one second. If you're not yet subscribed, got you covered. College football, a year-round sport. We are blessed and fortunate to cover it accordingly. This is a community that y'all have helped us put together, and it is y'all's show. Everything you know and love about this beautiful sport, we do it here every single day, live on Tuesdays, as we are right now. Also live on Thursdays, 1 Central, 2 Eastern. Make sure you're locked in with us. Nick Brake, Lift and Heavy, this is your show. If you also are not yet following me on Instagram or on Twitter, would love to hear from you. Those are great mediums for us. When we're off the air, when we don't got content rolling for you, we get to hear from you there. So we appreciate you in advance for that. Going back to the transfer portal. It is a seller's market. Supply and demand. Basic economics, right? As demand increases and supply decreases, that price point is going to go up a little bit. Meaning, for offensive linemen especially, there's going to be less of them in the portal. There's going to be a lot of folks out there where they need to either build depth or, heck, they need to accumulate just bodies in general. They need to, they need to get a starting five. Offensive linemen will be like gold in the transfer portal. You saw Johnny Cornelius transfer from FCS school, Rhode Island, blew up in the portal, right? I mean, there was over 20 offers his first 24 hours in there. It's going to be a version of that, I think, in this next wave as well. A lot of names that maybe you hadn't heard of before. They're going to pop on the radar, and your favorite team may, in fact, want them because of that supply and demand. Doesn't mean they're not still a good player. There's going to be elite talent out there, but just the sheer volume and people getting through spring practice and saying, oh, my gosh, we don't have a left guard that can help us. I thought we had a right tackle that could protect our quarterback. Turns out we don't. We got to go in the portal and fix that ASAP as soon as possible, per Michael Scott. So the seller's market is something to keep an eye on. Last thing I would add, the teams that were players in the portal this last cycle, this last window rather, your Colorados took 20 plus, Auburn took double digits, Wisconsin double digits, USC double digits. Those teams that are very evidently trying to overhaul certain parts of their roster for whatever reason, whether it's new staff, whether they have weaknesses on a certain side of the ball, if they were trying to overhaul their roster during the first portal window, I truly believe they will continue to do that in the next portal window. Because if you have issues as a foundation of your house, you can never have too much insurance there. You're saying, well, we, we had issues with the cement for our house, and it, it just wasn't sturdy. You don't say after you got a little bit more cement, you say, okay, we're good. No, you want to continue to add and shore that up and make that foundation from a talent standpoint on your roster as solid as possible. Because the old foundation wasn't good. USC's defense, they're trying to revamp that in the trenches. Colorado, foundation was 1-11 last year. Wisconsin, new staff. See what I'm saying here? So the teams that were trying to create a new foundation within their roster and trying to add numbers, I truly believe you will continue to see those same programs be on offense in the portal. So the second portal wave is coming. 
It will be shorter. It will be less volume. There will be a seller's market, but still a lot of players that I believe will be available and that will make an impact on teams heading into the last week of the season to championship weekend. Heck, maybe the college football playoff. So keep an eye on that. Again, May 1st through the 15th is when that window opens. It will be anarchy. I'm sure we'll have some coverage for you here on this On3 YouTube channel, so make sure you're subscribed. But that is what you can expect from the second portal wave that will be coming here post-spring practice. That's going to be fun too, man. I mean, college football, the transfer portal, recruiting, the games themselves, that's why we get to have this show. And we're grateful for y'all for supporting this and making this show roll how it does. But there is no better example of college football being a year-round sport than the transfer portal and the way that's evolving. So uh, it's not slowing down. College football's not taking a vacation, and we aren't either. So we appreciate y'all for that and making this whole thing happen. Again, one more time, shout out to the pod. People on podcast rocking with us, we appreciate you. A lot to unpack here as we go forward. The best thing that we do, on this entire program, going to my Twitter page, at J.D. Pakel, put out a call to action there earlier today. Y'all responded in elite fashion, as you always do, championship-level fashion, even. And now, to break it all down, man, the myth, the legend, heavy lifter, pride of Owensboro, Kentucky, Nick Brake. How we doing, Nick? Well, J.D., I'll tell you, it's been an eventful show, certainly an eventful start of the show for me back here in uh, the... Uh the production studio, but we're all good now. You can hear us loud and clear, unlike the beginning. Hey, it happens, man. It happens. It happens. We just roll with the punches, baby. It's a beautiful thing. It. I mean, I was sitting here trying to fix it. You're just over <laughs> here talking away, and uh, but we're here. As I tend to do. To go. No, hey, man, broken play, touchdown. Absolutely. Do, no, bro. it was. It was you a know? broken play, um, but we have Patty Mahomes under at the mic over there <laughs> running it back. Hey, this first Nicest question. Nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Appreciate um, you. I'm getting cut off again by this camp, by these uh, – Lower thirds, but Joe Cook at Joseph Cook 89. The mm. next thing you see trickling up from college football to the NFL. It's a great question. Joe Cook does a phenomenal job for us over on our Texas site, under on three inside Texas. Get a membership there. Follow Joe if you haven't already. I believe his yeah his handle is up here on the. Uh, lower third, so you can find Joe Cook there. But anyways, Joe, great question. And to me, the first thing that comes to mind is the offensive philosophies. I think we've seen more and more of that over the years start to find its way from the college level to the NFL ranks. I don't know if we'll see quite the same pace tempo-wise, but I do think the spacing, the kind of run first, spread you out, create matchups, I think we'll see more of that. And the hashes are different in the NFL, which could be the reason why you see a, a variated version of it. But I have to imagine, guys like Jeff Levy, guys like Josh Heupel, their blueprint is still 11-on-11. 11 11. It's still creating matchups, and that's ultimately what this game is about. So for that reason, I think the spacing kind of offenses is going to find its way more and more into the NFL game. I think it'll be a slow trickle. I like that Joe said trickle. I don't think it'll be a tidal wave, but we're going to see more and more space them out, put that overhang defender, whether it's a linebacker or a safety roll down, whoever it is, put them in conflict and create a matchup for Stefan Diggs on the outside. Nick, I know you're a Bills fan. Create a matchup for, gosh, Tyreek Hill on the outside or in the slot, whatever it is. Guys like Jalen Hyatt that we saw thrive, burst onto the scene this past college football season, I think there's going to be NFL minds that notice that and want to do more of the same for their own Jalen Hyatt caliber players. Maybe Jalen Hyatt in general. He's going to the league next year as well. So that's my take on that. But a great question, Joe. And Nick, appreciate you holding it down, man. Absolutely, man. Uh, the next question from, uh, from Case King. Not Case King, I'm sorry. Case King. At Case King or King Case 30. Uh, as an outsider, is this Steve Skarkeesian's last shot at it to get to right in Austin and um, – if so, what do you see and what do you consider to be right? Great question. Case Keenum does, I believe, watch the show. <laughs> he was in the live chat earlier, but I don't know if we can see him right now. But, yeah, Case Keenum does watch the show. Case, nevertheless, a good question. And this is something we talked about a little bit on one of our other one-off videos off of the live show. And I don't think he has to win the Big 12 title, but I do think a Big 12 title appearance is now necessary. 
You bring back 10 of 11 starters. You bring back your quarterback who had all of the hype in the world around him, and he flashed last year. This is the year where you need to see some ROI because Texas put so much into it. There's so much resources. There's so much support. When do you get the ROI? When do you get to start seeing some things that you have put forth come back to you? So I think this is the year where you have to make the Big 12 title. I don't think you have to win it because he has done a great job on the recruiting trail. I mean, at last I checked, they were a top three, top five class, according to the on three team uh, consensus recruiting rankings. So he's recruiting his tail off. And if Steve Sarkeesian were to be fired, let's be bleak and say, okay, hey, Steve Sarkeesian, didn't work this year. You got to see the door, my man. You would lose a lot of that top talent the crown jewel of that class being Arch Manning. Listen, you want to keep Arch Manning on campus, okay? He committed to Texas, yes. He committed to Steve Sarkeesian, first and foremost, is the way that I view it. So don't think he needs to win the whole thing, but if he can make the Big 12 title, I think that's what needs to happen. Either way, though, I would be very shocked if he were shown the door in any capacity. But Big 12 title this year is what has to happen in my mind. Okay, J.D., um, we got one more. Let's do it, baby. One more. Okay. Uh, Cameron Durham. That's kind of a inter- Cameron indoor in uh, Durham, North Carolina, there it North is. Carolina. It's like a, a rivalry. I love the name. that. Um, but Cameron Durham, nonetheless, as we look at the big 10, do you see any of these teams being war- in the West being competitive against teams like Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state. So yeah, good question. it's, it's a great question. This is a little bit of a, of a bleak answer. I don't. I don't. And that's just because that three-headed monster that you mentioned with Penn State and I believe going to be on the doorstep of a college football playoff if they can split Michigan and Ohio State. Michigan, they lose one of their offensive coordinators, but J.J. McCarthy, another year in the system. Blake Corum comes back. I mean, Ohio State, yeah, they lose C.J. Stroud, but they still got Marvin Harrison Jr. on the outside. They got two five-star quarterbacks, the most luxurious question mark you can ever have at quarterback position in in Columbus. So just with all the talent and the way they're recruiting on that side of the conference, I don't think there's anybody that's holding a candle to that. Now, maybe you talk yourself into Luke Fickle and Tanner Mordecai at Wisconsin, just our magic and Braylon Allen has a great year. Like maybe you're, you're wishing upon a star and that could somehow happen. But if I'm placing money somewhere, it's on, any one of those teams as opposed to whatever else is going on in the Big Ten West. So no knocking the Big Ten West. You know, I love me some Nebraska. I believe in Luke Fickle. I think that was a great hire, but just with the way that Penn State's trending, with what Michigan's doing right now, they're on a tear, and Ohio State, the talent they have, and who they're going to put in that quarterback there with a the five-star caliber, it's just going to be very, very tough to make up for that kind of curve. So that's probably not the answer you're hoping for, but unfortunately that is how I see things right now in the Big Ten. But fear not, they are going to do away with those divisions here very, very soon. So it'll be wide open and top teams will play for it. So that's the way that I see it shaking out. But Nick, is that it for us, brother? That's all for us, man. A lot of good conversation in the um, in, in the chat. Even though we're not going to those for questions right now, uh, still keep them coming. Uh, I've been answering some, so you're not going unnoticed, and maybe we'll feature our next show. Yeah, absolutely. And also, if you're hitting us in the chat, we are very much so conscious of that. Whether you're hitting me on Twitter, Instagram, live chat, we're conscious of that. And it is not uncommon by any stretch of the imagination for me to see a, a question or a thought and just be like, that's a really good question. We should do a whole segment on that. So as opposed to doing like a little minute and a half or 30-second response on our live show, there's a very good chance that we just say, Let's lock in and do an 8 to 10 minute response on that because it's such a good thought and good question. Again, the people show. Nick, appreciate you holding it down, man. We'll, uh, we'll do this again on Thursday. We'll see you then, man. Again, Nick Break, best in the game. Folks, appreciate you rocking with us. Like I said, y'all are the reason why we're able to do this and to have a show that goes year-round. Supply and demand. We talk about it in the transfer portal. It's the same thing on this show. We feel very blessed to be able to do this and... If you want to talk about that more and and why we feel blessed to do this, go ahead and hit me in the DMs. We'd love to talk about that. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We're going to keep the party rolling, and we will see y'all next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? 
Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.